Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. Why, hello, and welcome to episode 248 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the second episode of October 2018 and our Daikaiju rediscussion for the 2004 kitchen sink kaiju film Godzilla Final Wars. It's no secret that Final Wars is one of my least favorite Godzilla movies, and I know that in the past I've been fairly accused of spending less time on the movies that I don't like, uh, glossing over the details, forgetting information, that kind of thing. Not today, Ruhei. Not today. Today, I suggest you strap yourselves in and switch to manual targeting because we are going right into it after we listen to Gigan Awakens by Daisuke Yano. This is Operation Final War. Once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast takes a look at one particular film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. This month, we are looking at the 28th Japanese Godzilla film in the franchise, Godzilla Final Wars, a.k.a. Gojira Final Wars. Billed as Godzilla's 50th anniversary commemoration project with the tagline, Saraba Gojira, which means farewell, Godzilla. Godzilla Final Wars premiered in Hollywood, California at the world's famous Grauman's Chinese Theater on November 29th, 2004. I will be talking about that a little bit more in detail later. Following the Los Angeles hubbub, the film was released theatrically in Japan on December 4th, 2004. Final Wars was sort of the last of its kind in several ways. It was the last of the Millennium series. 
It was the last of the experiment in the Millennium series by Toho to have a new crew tackle each of the films in this series. Didn't really work out for you, did it, Tomiyama? It's also the last entry of the Godzilla series at the time, which was even announced, actually, before the movie opened. And this is unfortunately, at least right now, the last time Toho would make use of a practical Godzilla instead of a CGI creation. You know, us freaks, we like suitmation slash man-in-suit style monsters, but uh, who knows, maybe it'll come back eventually? We're not sure. And yes, I am assuming that all of you listeners know that Godzilla Final Wars was absolutely not the last Godzilla movie to ever grace the screens around the world. You may have heard about the legendary pictures Monsterverse that's currently underway, or perhaps Shin Godzilla, the runaway kaiju hit of 2016. Now, jumping back to the information that I like to spill about these particular movies, I wanted to talk about budgets for a moment because I really do feel that film budgets compared with ticket sales do allow us to judge these movies by their profit. Not that artistic merits of good filmmaking shouldn't be the reward of their own, but man, Toho is in the business of making movies, and their ultimate goal is to make money. I've sort of dog-eared a few films from the franchise just to sort of help build the case, not that anyone is going to argue the case, I think. In 1984, when Godzilla was brought back after his first hiatus, Toho spent about... 700 million yen on that film. And the attendance was about 3,200,000 that went to that picture. It was a pretty good year for them, actually. In 1995, just before he went on his next hiatus, they spent about a billion yen, which is equivalent to about 10 million US dollars, with an attendance level of 4 million tickets sold. Now, when they brought Godzilla back in 1999 for Godzilla 2000, they also spent about a billion yen bringing him back, and attendance was roughly half. So just from the get-go, the Millennium series was not doing as well as they wanted it to. Then they spent about the same amount, about a billion yen per movie, throughout the Millennium series, until you get to Final Wars. Final Wars, they doubled that. They spent 2 billion yen, which was roughly about $19 million, and the attendance was much less. A million tickets sold. Uh, the only movies to underperform Final Wars in box office sales were Godzilla vs. Megalon and Terror of Mechagodzilla, garnering less than a million tickets each. I would like that to sink in for a minute, for Toho to double the actual budget of a Godzilla film. Any other year, that would have been incredible news. But because of this particular film, because of Final Wars, I think the budget has less of an overall impact on the filmmaking and is more telling of the box office failure that is Godzilla Final Wars. Now, I'm saying it's not a success, right? But let's also take into consideration the 1998 film, which had a budget of about $150 million, just to keep things in perspective. Are you interested in knowing what that rough number is of the 150 million 1998 budget in Japanese yen? It's over 15 billion yen, which is like unheard of for a Japanese production. In fact, according to Google, the most expensive film from Japan is actually Katsuhiro Otomo's Steam Boy, which cost 20 million dollars, aka 2.4 billion yen to make not even scratching the surface of how much money was spent on the 1998 film. 
In fact, Shin Godzilla, which was the most recent Japanese live-action Godzilla film to be created, had a budget of about 15 million U.S. dollars, which roughly translates to 1.5 billion Japanese yen right now. All right, now that I've gotten that whole budget ticket sales stuff out of the way, let's fire up the time machine and listen to an old broadcast from yesteryear. Dateline, May 2004, Toho holds press conference in Tokyo's Imperial Hotel. Earlier this year, rumors began circulating that one of the hottest directors in the world, 34-year-old Ryuhei Kitamura, would be at the helm of the newest Godzilla picture. <clears throat> uh, this is actually information that was covered way, way back in 2004 on Henshin Online, so I thought I'd grab that information and share a little bit of it with you guys. Kitamura dropped out of high school and at the age of 17 moved to Australia to study filmmaking because he was like obsessed with Australian and American action movies. The ones that have been noted in this article were Mad Max and Aliens. He entered the film department at the School of Visual Arts where he won Best Direction and the Kodak Award for his graduation project, which was a short film called Exit. After returning to Japan, Kitamura formed his own production company, Napalm Films. And with a budget of like 300,000 yen and a crew of six, Ryuhei Kitamura made the horror film Down to Hell in just 10 days. It's sort of a prequel to Versus. The movie went on to win Grand Prize at the Indies Movie Festival, and he followed that up with his first theatrical release, Heat After Dark, in 1996, which was produced by and starred acclaimed actor Atsuro Watabe who is in Inugumi and Zebraman. But despite these calling cards to his unbound talent, Japanese producers were hardly interested in what he was doing. Just as a sidebar, one of the uh, articles that I read about Kitamura talked about the Japanese movie industry and how there's such a climbing the ladder mentality where you have to start small and then you get promoted and then you get promoted and get promoted but Kitamura didn't want to wait to make films he was ready to make movies right now so he kind of did he bucked the system did his own thing and that actually garnered him some support and some accolades from his fellow filmmakers after he made Verses in 1995, which was a huge hit for him. I mean, that was when I heard about Kitamura, and I definitely saw Verses way before Final Wars came out. Anyway, he was able to make some more movies, including Alive, Sky High, and Origami. He did cutscenes for the video game Metal Gear Solid, The Twin Snakes. And then he got on the studio's good side by successfully making Azumi, which is his first big-budget film and a major box office hit for Toho in 2003. That is the story of a female ninja. It's uh, I don't want to say anything else. It's actually kind of good, kind of fun. After Azumi, he was approached by Toho to be the director for the 50th anniversary Godzilla film. Kitamura was obviously the hottest director to come out of Japan in years, and because so, he was given lots and lots of leeway by Toho. He brought aboard his Napalm Films crew so that they could help him make a Kitamura film. That includes screenwriter Isao Kiriyama and cinematographer Takumi Furia, who both worked on all of his previous films. Toho apparently extended the production time from four months to six, and increasing the budget to more than twice the amount allowed for the previous films to accommodate the scope of Final Wars. Another unique move for a Godzilla film were that there were four different filming units, live action, overseas locations, and two different effects teams, all working simultaneously to bring Godzilla Final Wars to the screen. 
Shooting on location in foreign countries was something totally new to Godzilla films. Another thing that Kitamura and Toho did when making Final Wars is they reached out and tapped a whole lot of talent that was out there. I'm going to talk right now about the artists. Shinji Nishikawa, a fan-turned-pro manga artist who has been working on the Godzilla series since Godzilla vs. Biollante and continues to do artwork not just for the Godzilla series, but also on his own. He's been coming to conventions recently, so you may have seen him at one of those recent guest appearances in the States. Nishikawa designed Engiris, Ebira, Manda, Minya, Hedera, and King Caesar. Yasushi Nimurasawa is an artist you may have heard me mention on the podcast before. He worked with Keita Amemiya on many of his productions. He was a concept and character designer in Japan. Unfortunately, he just died a couple of years ago. But Nirasawa designed just about everything for the Exaliens, including their costumes, their sort of true self design, their ships, and he also designed Gigan. Another artist that I was actually really excited to see as part of the Final Wars lineup was Katsuya Tarada. Katsuya Tarada is actually a comic book artist from Japan, but he's been working in the field digitally for a very long time. In fact, the first time I ever learned about him was when he had a show here in Portland at the Compound Gallery. Tarada designed both Monster X and Kaiser Ghidra. Last but not least is Yoji Shinkawa, the most famous in the States for his incredible and celebrated renderings of Metal Gear Solid. And in fact, if you look at his designs for Godzilla Final Wars, you can actually see that sort of wispy brushwork style that he's very famous for. He designed the Gotengo and a whole bunch of the costumes for the human characters. Now, I am going to put a link in the show notes to Toho Kingdom's Final Wars page, which has a massive gallery of production and concept art. If you're into that sort of thing, make sure you check that link. Let's move out of the whole pre-production phase and move into the actual people that made this movie. Kitamura is, of course, the biggest name attached to this movie. Since Godzilla Final Wars, he continues to work in the industry. If you weren't familiar with his Japanese works, like the Loop in the Third adaptation, he also directed Midnight Meat Train with Vinnie Jones, Leslie Bibb, Brooke Shields, and Bradley Cooper in 2008. Kitamura actually cameos in Final Wars as the radio DJ that interviews the idol-turned-Exion. Godzilla Final Wars is credited to have been written by Isao Kiriyama, part of Napalm Films, Ryuhi Kitamura, the director, Wataro Mimura, who worked on Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 93, Yamato Takeru in 94, 1999's Godzilla Millennium, he also did some work on Megagirus and the Mechagodzilla film from 2002 before coming to the Final Wars table. Shogo Tomiyama also had a hand in uh, writing this movie as well. If you're asking yourself, who is Shogo Tomiyama? Well, Shogo Tomiyama took on the role of producer of the Godzilla series when Tomiyuki Tanaka, the man who had made every Godzilla film since the series' inception, died in 1997. Tomiyama would become the president of Toho in 2004, eventually relinquishing the position to Onmyoji producer Yoshinari Shimatani on March 31st, 2010. Tomiyama was instrumental to the Godzilla series continuing and getting new life breathed into it by these new directors. So we've talked about the directing, we've talked about the writing, we've talked about the producing. Let's talk about the scoring. Who made the soundtrack for this film? You may recognize the name Keith Emerson, a British rock musician from Emerson, Lake, and Powell, or Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. 
I don't actually listen to his music, so I'm not sure which is which, but not only was he a rock musician, he also did the soundtracks for Inferno and Murder Rock, Dancing Death. He was asked by Kitamura to be involved after Kitamura attended one of Emerson's last concerts in Japan. Another name involved with the soundtrack specifically is Daisuke Yano. Yano worked with Kitamura on Alive and Sky High. Also, Nobuhiku Morino, another name associated with Kitamura's soundtracks, versus Aragami, Alive, and Sky High were all scored by Morino. As a sidebar, Morino continues to work in the industry. He just did the soundtrack for Rokuroku, The Promise of the Witch, which is the new Keita Amemia film based on the yokai Rokurokubi. I'm very excited to see that movie. He did the soundtrack for Yakuza Weapon, Hellgate, Samurai Zombie, and more. The efforts of these composers produced enough tracks to actually make a three-disc version of the soundtrack. Not that it's all fantastic, but it's sizable. Stock music by Akira Fukube and Masaru Sato were used in the film, along with Some 41, who provided We're All to Blame. And I literally, I wonder how much it costs just for them to have that song. You only get to hear about 40 seconds of the song, which is not very long. But that's just another example of Toho putting in so much into this movie. As we mentioned earlier, the cinematography of this film was by Takumi Furia and Fujio Okawa, both who had worked with Kitamura in the past. The production design was by Deborah Riley, which struck me as odd. I'm like, whoa, what's a foreigner name doing in the uh, list of crew? Apparently, this is an Australian art director that Kitamura had worked with before. The director of special effects for Godzilla Final Wars was Eiji Asada. Asada had been working with Toho since the 1970s and continued to work on special effects films at Toho, including Godzilla Returns in 1984. He also worked on Princess from the Moon and Hiroko the Goblin before eventually making it back to Tokyo SOS as the special effects director. He did a fantastic job, in my opinion. That's like one of the best things about Final Wars is all the effects work. The opening titles, another Gaijin name by Kyle Cooper. Kyle Cooper has done hundreds and hundreds of titles for Hollywood productions. Seriously, uh, I guess I could say like my top five outside of Final Wars would be seven. Nightwatch, The Island of Dr. Moreau, maybe, I don't know. And then uh, for the last two, we'll just go with Godzilla 2014 and Kong Skull Island in 2017. He did both of those, and they're both fantastic. Let's talk about the cast a little bit. The role of Ozaki was given to Masahiro Matsuoka, who used to be a drummer for a band called Tokyo in the 90s. Even though he was touring and recording, he found time to appear in television commercials and variety shows. He eventually moved into serious dramatic acting at NHK, where he played the pivotal role of Kojiro Sasaki, the arch-rival of legendary swordsman Miyamoto Musashi. Ozaki in Godzilla Final Wars was his first major starring role in a motion picture. Another of the super soldiers from the M organization is Kazama, who is played by American-born actor Kane Kosugi. He is the star of the 1980s action star Shou Kosugi, and Kane appeared in several of his father's ninja movies, such as Pray for Death. Kane was no stranger to Tokusatsu. He was in Ultraman the Ultimate Hero in 1993, and also Ninja Task Force Kakuranger in 1994. He was also in Zero Woman, Cat's Eye, Jackie Chan's Who Am I, and Muscle Heat from 2003. Playing Miyuki Otanashi, the molecular biologist who's studying Gaigen, is Rei Kikukawa. 
Kikukawa was 26 when she made Final Wars, and she has continued acting, although I am unfamiliar with any of the other films in her repertoire. Another leading lady from Godzilla Final Wars is 34-year-old veteran actor Maki Mizuno, who plays investigative reporter Anna Otanashi. In 2002, Maki Mizuno appeared in a TV drama called Kochira Hon Ikigami Show, which roughly translates to This is Hon Ikigami Police Station. It also starred Masanobu Takashima from Godzilla vs. Biollante and Yuriko Hoshi from Godzilla vs. Mothra and Godzilla x Megaguirus. Moving on to the baddies, we have the Planet X representative, at the time, 34-year-old Kazuki Kitamura in his first Godzilla role. Kitamura also played in Ruhei Kitamura's Azumi in 2003, Dead or Alive in 2000, and Full Metal Yakuza in 1997. We're going to stop talking about the new cast for a second because I just wanted to point out those people, I'm not exactly sure why they were chosen to be in this film except they're real pretty, and they all look like idols to me. You know, Japanese idols? Anyway, we're going to go ahead and move to some familiar faces. Familiar faces! Oh my god, there's so many to talk about, you guys. Akira Takarada. You have to talk about the UN Secretary, Notaro Daigo. You'll know him from the first Godzilla film, but of course, some of his other classic kaiju romps. Not to mention his appearance on The Kaiju Cast and in Hail to the King, 60 Years of Destruction. Next up, Kumi Mizuno. Her most iconic role, of course, was Miss Namikawa in 1965's Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. But you most likely took note of her performance in both Frankenstein Conquers the World and War of the Gargantuas as the hot doctor co-starring with her American co-stars, Nick Adams and Russ Tamblin. Toho brought her back as Prime Minister Machiko Tsuge in Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, and I could not be more thrilled that her name in Godzilla Final Wars, Namikawa, is a reference to Monster Zero. Also, veteran actor Kenji Sahara. If you don't know him by now, you really should. He plays paleontologist Hachiro Jinguji, but my favorite of his roles ever is in Rodan. It's one of his first leading roles. He just does such an incredible job of portraying that fear and that terror that I talked about in the last episode we did. He also does an awesome job playing the bad guy like Torahata from Godzilla vs. The Thing and the creepy Toyama in Matango. The next name might not be as familiar to you. Masato Ibu was the special anti-G director Motohiko Sigura in Megagiris. Another familiar face from the Heisei era, and actually if you like the 1970s vampire films from Toho, is Akira Nakao. You'll remember him from his recurring character in the Heisei era as the G-Force commander Takaki Aso, and of course, he was the prime minister Hayato Iragashi in the previous two Godzilla films. It almost wouldn't be a Godzilla movie made after 1989 if we didn't include Koichi Ueda in the familiar faces. I mentioned Ueda during our Biollante rediscussion. This is the actor that's basically had a cameo in every single Godzilla film from Biollante to Final Wars, playing a myriad of character types, military personnel, an aquarium janitor, dinosaur conspiracist. It's always a pleasure to see him show up. Also, another actor you may recognize, even though he was only briefly in Final Wars, is Shiro Sano. Sano is a big-time Godzilla fan turned actor. He played Shiro Miyazaki in Godzilla 2000. That's the professor that's sort of on the bad guys team. He's also been really, really busy, does lots of fan productions too, which is pretty cool. 
Last but not least, in the familiar faces is actually a face that I didn't find so familiar, and I was surprised to see her name listed here. That is Shelly Sweeney. Shelly Sweeney originally played the Mechagodzilla co-pilot and operator, Catherine Berger, in 1993's Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Here in this film, she plays the captain of the Eclipse, which is attacked by Kamakaris in Paris. I'm going to give some honorable mentions, not because I found their faces familiar, but because other people out there might. Don the Predator Fry in the role of Captain Gordon, right? Oh man, where do I even start? The role was specifically written for him because Kitamura is a fan of Fry's UFC and wrestling career. I will say this about Don Fry, for all the bravado that the man exudes, I've actually read interviews where he seems pretty humbled by the experience of being part of Final Wars and he voiced a lot of respect for the Japanese spirit during filmmaking and he legitimately feels like he drags the movie down. Don't beat yourself up about that, Don. I think the movie was already fighting an uphill battle. Also of note are the crew of the Exilian Warriors. Kanai Uotani, Reika Kirishima, Hiroku Akune, and Tak Sakaguchi, all part of Kitamura's cast of regulars from his prior films. Also, Tak Sakaguchi was the fight choreographer for all of the human fight scenes. Oh yeah, and then there's the two giant men guarding Area G. Nick, played by Gary Big Daddy Goodridge, a super heavyweight kickboxer and heavyweight MMA fighter, and Glenn, played by Sugar Ray Sifo, a New Zealand-born fighter-slash-kickboxer. And I think that might be it. All the familiar faces, right? That's everything? No, I can hear you saying out there, Get to the best familiar faces! Get to the monsters! Let's talk about the monsters. Final Wars blew away the kaiju roster record from Destroy All Monsters by putting a whopping 15 kaiju in this film. Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, Anguirus, Minya, King Cesar, Ebira, Zilla, Kamakaris, Kumanga, Manda, Hedra, and, if you count them as two monsters, Monster X and Kaiser Ghidra. These monsters were brought to life by three different companies. The first is Monsters, Inc., which is Shinichi Wakasa's company. Wakasa was the guy who built a majority of the suits from the Millennium series, and for Final Wars, they made Godzilla, Rodan, Angulus, Minya, and Monster X. Another crew from a company called Sync Art made Ebira, Kumanga, and Kamakaris. And while a third crew from a company called Star Train created Gigan and Hedra. Apparently, Wakasa supervised all of that stuff, or he at least delineated the jobs to the different companies. In addition to all those monsters I mentioned, Wakasa also updated the prop for the Tokyo SOS Mothra for Godzilla Final Wars. For the monsters in Godzilla Final Wars, Shinichi Wakasa actually used a new type of material that was different from the previous foam latex that they had used before for all of the other kaiju suits, the suits were actually made more to fit the actual actors, even on the outside of the suits, so that the actors would have more flexibility, more range of motion, and be able to react quicker. Previous suits had uh, placed the actor's head right about at the top of the chest for each of the kaiju, but in this particular movie, the suits were designed around the actor's forms so that their faces inside of the suits were more in the kaiju necks. When asked about the new material, Kitamura actually excitedly said there will be more movement that has never been seen before. The kaiju are going to move quick but retain their sense of mass and strength. The hands, feet, and tail, their movement is absolutely smooth. 
Well, in addition to being smooth because of the new material, they're also smooth because of the actors inside. So let's talk about those actors. Of course, we got to talk about Tsutomu Tom Kitagawa, the actor who played Godzilla. He had played Godzilla in almost all of the other Millennium Series films, except for GMK, when he just wasn't big enough to be in that suit. King Cesar and Monster X were played by Motokuni Nakagawa. Rodan and Minya were played by a female suit actress, Naoko Kamio. Angulus and Ebira were both played by Toshihiro Ogura, and Gaigen and Hedra were played by Kazuhiro Yoshida. It should be noted, because I mentioned it earlier, that I was there at the Los Angeles events leading up to the premiere, along with a whole bunch of other kaiju fans that made the trek to La La Land. In addition to the actual premiere at Grauman's Chinese Theater, that same weekend also saw Godzilla receiving a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, complete with a press-filled unveiling ceremony with Godzilla and all of his final stars in attendance. There was also the Hollywood Christmas Parade. Inside of that parade, there was a Godzilla float by Toho. I'll have links in the show notes to YouTube videos for these events, so you can sort of like pretend you were there too. Moving on, I have a question for the listeners, especially those who were there at this premiere. In the New York scene, let's just call it Pimp versus Cop versus Rodan, I seem to remember those actors being heavily overdubbed to excise the F-bombs. However, I've seen the movie a whole lot, and I cannot remember if when I saw it in the theater, if that had been dubbed over instead of the actual lines recorded on set. I just can't remember. Anyway, I just wanted to know if that was the case, because I cannot remember. And if anybody is curious about how that even got into filming, I read an interview with those two actors who said that Kitamura was basically kind of egging them on because their dialogue was written poorly in English, and so they were trying to punch it up on set, and it just got away from them. Before we get to the group discussion, I just wanted to take note of one particular thing. If you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, this is not something that's going to seem strange or out of place to you, Uh, but it's more of an explanation as to why I kind of don't like Final Wars. Overall, I felt like the Millennium series was very slowly and steadily pushing Godzilla and the film mythos behind Godzilla into the modern era of filmmaking. Clearly, Shoko Tomiyama believed that the series needed some new life. Sort of. Actually, a sidebar comment for those still with me. I really think that when he started working with Masaki Tezuka, Tomiyama probably saw in Tezuka the man who could bring the series back to its glory days, or at least like the closest thing possible in this modern age of Japanese filmmaking. The Millennium series was supposed to have a different director and team for each film, but Tezuka ended up making half of those movies. I actually am wondering if there were not a lot of directors in Japan vying for their chance to make a Godzilla film. Anyway, that is beside the point I was trying to make. The point I was trying to make was, please imagine, if you will, that these filmmakers in the Millennium series were working, not in unison, but sort of in tandem, to build the Godzilla series up from what it had become. They improved the special effects, they improved the storytelling. Little by little, each of those films is better than the last. Takao Okawara starts with Godzilla 2000, which was okay. Masaki Tezuka comes in with Megaguirus, which was pretty great until the last act. Then Kaneko brings GMK to the table, which is a crazy divisive film for the fans, but still moving Godzilla forward in terms of filmmaking. Then Tezuka jumps back in for the next two films and continues that work, again building Godzilla up. All of these culminating to the 50th anniversary of the franchise, and as a fan... I can even feel that same hopefulness that I felt 
after Tokyo SOS for what the next film could be. But then in comes Ryuhei Kitamura, a filmmaker who seems like he's fully aware of the hype he generated, fully intending to take advantage of that hype. And Kitamura made his Godzilla film, and I cannot really complain about it, right? Like, that's what Shogo Tomiyama set out to do. But I feel like he handed the keys to the Sid Vicious of Japanese cinema, and I probably should not use that analogy because I'm not really that up on my Sex Pistols lore. But the point I'm trying to make is that Kitamura is like all style and no substance. And it's really, really hard for me to respect his work in Final Wars. In fact, I would go so far as to say, why can't someone make a fan edit of Godzilla Final Wars? I think it's doable. I think you could make a fan edit that cuts out the whole midichlorian, I mean, M organization mutant thing. And you could cut a different slash decent Godzilla film. Seriously, who's going to make me that fan at it? I've rambled on for far too long about this on my own. Let's get some other victims on the mic right after we hear another track from the film in question by Keith Emerson. The most destructive weapon on Earth. This final mission will decide the fate of the human race. This is Operation Final War. ゴジラめ。お前の強さを確かめさせてもらう。俺たちは家畜じゃない。人間だ。
Godzilla Final Wars. Sarama, Gojira. Joining me here in the studio, we just finished watching Godzilla Final Wars. We have Dave Helfrey. Hi. And Clancy Peterson. Hey, everybody. And we, like I said, just finished watching this 2004 classic Godzilla film. <laughs> Classically filmed. Uh, you can tell they actually used film and uh, classically using suits. Uh, Many suits. And, and so forth. Let's actually do our standard thing. Who here had not seen this before? And Dave, this is where you would take it away with like modifying my question yeah, for no, an answer. For sure. yeah. Because um, uh, I, here, the irony is I own this DVD mm -hmm. and I have never watched it all the way through because when it first came out, uh, and was available domestically. I remember hearing all the buzz and almost none of it was positive. And so when I got the DVD, all I did, well, I popped it in and I just fast forwarded to all the monster fights and that was it. And I never watched any of the, uh, uh, air quote plot development, <laughs> uh, you know, going on between, uh, you know, the Exilians and the mutants and Sergeant Slaughter or whoever that guy was. And, uh, so I've, ne I've ever never actually, this is the first time I've actually seen the movie. That's incredible. It's to me. kind of, it's, it's like, it's kind of funny that, but yeah, that is, that is how it went. I do not feel that I have been enrichted particularly. Okay, okay. But, uh, but no, but, it, but now, but now I've seen the whole thing. Now I know, now I know what's going now on. Now you've seen it from start to finish it's in true. its original language. Clancy, how about you? Uh, yeah, I had seen this one before, but it is definitely the one that I've watched the least out of all of the Japanese Godzilla films. And actually, sure. I actually wound up watching it like 2004. I really wasn't paying attention to what was going on. Okay. Um, essentially, you know, the American Godzilla 1998 happened. And the last time I remember in real time getting excited about a Godzilla film coming out was that. Godzilla 2000, um, the th small theater that I used to watch movies at back then sure, yeah. was actually showing like trailers or at least some kind of teasers for that film. And I remember that happening and getting excited about it. But then as we went into the 2000s, I kind of just drifted away from films really in general. I was kind of taking a break from it and focusing mm -hmm. on collecting vinyl records and listening to music. Spending a lot of my time really, you know, listening to records after work versus consuming film. Um, so by the time I actually saw this film, it was out and the two previous films were out, the ones that connect, you know, oh, on DVD. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when I saw it for the first time, it was immediately after watching, um, you know, Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla right, and Tokyo yeah. SOS. And then, and I, and I didn't even have internet in my home during that period just by choice because I, worked on the computer all day and wanted to be away from it at home. Oh my so gosh. I, I didn't can we, even... can we take a second to like identify <laughs> the magical time that someone has just said, ah, I think I just chose to get off the internet. Exactly. <laughs> like... it, it, it was, it was rather freeing and I'm actually getting to the point now where I might do it again. Um, but, I, but I didn't know anything about the film right, really, yeah. at least enough to know what I was about to, you know, what, what I was in store for what you're signing up for by so, watching final wars. Yeah. yeah. And I remember watching, um, the two films before it and just being like, 
that was amazing. Like, I, I'm glad that they started connecting them again and mm-hmm. everything that's great about those movies. Those are for obviously for a different conversation. And then putting this one on and just being so confused. Like what? <laughs> like I didn't, I had no idea it was coming. Right. Yeah. And it, yeah. it really did. It, I even remember very, have a very clear memory of like my brother walking through the room and he'd seen some Godzilla stuff and had seen me watching films, but was never into it. Like I was, I remember him walking through the room and being like, what are you watching right now? <laughs> and I said, it's the next Godzilla film. You know, I was watching the other ones the night before and he's, it, yeah. So that was my first experience of sitting down with it. And, um, we can talk about more as we go on with the yeah, conversation, yeah. but it was definitely an experience where I didn't, uh, want to watch it a ton after that. <laughs> I can, I can understand that. Uh, I think many of the listeners already know this. I saw this movie. Actually, I'll even step back. I was working as the webmaster for Henshin Online at the time that this movie was being produced, but, you know, basically throughout the entire Millennium series. So I had a front row seat to many, many, many of the movies and the background information that was sort of surfacing over the, you know, over the Pacific Ocean and that we were getting through the internets. And so by the time Final Wars came around, I was like neck deep in Godzilla fandom, neck deep in like just my every waking hour pretty much was about Godzilla, except for when I was at work. And then this movie premiered in Los Angeles and they basically had a special premiere just for, you know, just for the L.A. thing, just for Hollywood. And then it's not like the movie went to theaters in the states after that that. yeah so we went down and we checked it out with a whole bunch of other godzilla fans that i knew at the time is still though uh and (laughs) man what an experience (laughs) uh it was uh, the overall experience of being down there was amazing seeing the movie in the theater with so many godzilla fans in like the classic you know uh i think it's called something different now but man's chinese theater you know, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. and you know, so it was this incredible experience leading up to the movie and then watching the movie was so bizarre. And then after the movie, there was this VIP party and then there was a VIP party to the VIP party. Like the entire night was a crazy experience for me. So it's, you'd almost think that like, wow, I'd have like some really great memories. And I'd actually like this <laughs> film, <laughs> but this film is a train wreck and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to it a little bit more. I was thinking about it in different terms while I was watching it tonight than I have in previous viewings. And uh, so I'll be bringing up a couple of points that I was thinking about during the film. And uh, in terms of how many times I've seen this or how often it comes up, I never watched this movie. Basically, I've seen it a handful of times and I usually leave it in the in the DVD case because it's not something that I'd like really enjoy all that much. Uh, and we will talk about that, and I'll try and get to the bottom of why. It's probably not going to take me too long. I think listeners have probably heard me say it many <laughs> times. Uh, but Dave, so what What do you like most about Godzilla Final Wars? The thing that I do like about it and, um, you know, going back to like what I've liked about so many of the other movies that we've talked about um, here on Kaiju Coast um, <laughs> Is is just the suits. Mm-hmm. The suits were tight. This, you know, the sets were beautiful. 
Um, a, a lot of the optics, uh, the optical effects were great. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, I liked the, uh, uh, the design of the, uh, Exilian spaceship. You know, I thought that, that kind of, it, it was very, uh, alien in its geometry. And, um, you know, I liked the costumes, even though they were like the weird kind of, the mutants wearing those Nazi costumes with the red nipples. Uh, those are strange. <laughs> the you patches. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, um, but obviously it's like, you know, they, they're like, you know, Godzilla's 50. We're going to, we're going to roll this out. Sure. Yeah. And they, they put some work into it. I mean, I think even, uh, we were commenting amongst ourselves, even during the, the, um, the opening credits, the opening credit sequence is beautiful. You know, and designed by Kyle Cooper, designed by Kyle Cooper, who did like, uh, you know, I was noticing that, um, it reminded me of one of my favorite opening credits, uh, sequences, which is to Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. And so, you know, I don't know what happened during the first couple of minutes of the movies because I Googled, you know, IMDb and Kyle Cooper did that too. And he did the opening sequences to American Horror Story and he did the op- uh, opening sequences to a lot of to to dozens of movies that we that we all know and love. And so I thought that you know even even that detail that mm-hmm. they brought in this like you know big swinging uh Hollywood uh movie title designer mm-hmm. uh to polish this off. I mean, I think that um you know, they spent so much time making it look good. Maybe they forgot to write a story. <laughs> yeah. It's of note, though, yeah. right? You, it's it's definitely worth taking note of that they put so much effort into it's this film. It's beautiful. It's I mean, the like the the sets when Godzilla and uh, uh, Monster X slash Kaiser Ghidorah are fighting, mm-hmm. they're great. You know, the whole the the atmosphere and the color. It's uh. Like, like way better than a lot of the movies that we've watched. Much, much better. Um, which is too bad because from a story standpoint, it's not. Right. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, so it's, a, it's a little, it's, it's, there's an awful lot of style and, uh, uh, you know, awful lot of sizzle, not a lot of steak. Gotcha. You know, going on there. And so it would have been nice if they had, you know, if, you know, if, if the, if the mutants and the aliens weren't so derivative of the matrix and, and things like that, you know, it's, I guess the matrix came out like what, like five years prior to this. So yeah. I think the first yeah, one was 99. Right. 99. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so about, about five, six years prior, they, they were seeing that and going, Oh, this is like, you know, this is really cool. Let's do this all the way down to the scene where, you know, I never remember the characters' names when we're watching these movies. Who was the, ma- the good mutant? What was his name? Excellent question. Is it Ozaki? It is. It is Ozaki. Ozaki? Yeah. Okay. But I mean, he even does the like stopping the bullets thing like Neo does at the end of the Matrix. Yeah. And it's like, I, and I don't know enough to know if the Matrix was taking that stuff from other films. You know, they were probably influenced. Fair um, enough. But I definitely got that same vibe. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think a majority of the world saw that stuff in the Matrix first. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, the whole it, bullet time thing was, everybody was still talking about that. To, and- to just put a, like, little bit of a finer point on what you're saying here, from 1984 on, the Godzilla series has dipped so far into the ripoff moves that it doesn't, it's not even surprising to me anymore when they right. do that stuff. It takes me out of the movie. Yeah. And I can't stand it. Right. I was actually just talking in the last episode about how in Godzilla versus Mothra, 
they have all these scenes that are reminiscent in quotation marks of Indiana Jones. Yeah. Where, mm. he, you know, he's trying to escape the temple. And just me seeing that doesn't make me say, oh, cool. I'm excited for this thing that looks like Indiana Jones. It takes me out of the movie because I'm like, oh, they're ripping off Indiana yeah. <laughs> Jones. And I don't feel any. Well, it's lazy. Yeah, it's super lazy. It's lazy. Yeah. And they've had a history of doing that. Toho yeah. has a history of doing that, especially in the Heisei era. And I think uh, to Clancy's point, it got a lot better in the Millennium series where they weren't trying to rip things off as much. And so for them to go back to that <laughs> tactic right. for this movie, right. so hard and heavy. It's just yeah. kind of disappointing. Well, the only thing I just to build on what I was saying is what I would say is that they were pulling bullet time and mm-hmm. specialist effects stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. But then if you go back and like look at what the Matrix was doing, I would say a lot of that was getting inspired by earlier Asian cinema when it came to like the kung fu oh. fighting. Oh, yeah, and man. John Woo and yeah. stuff. So yeah, yeah, totally. Even if they were pulling, it's still, you know, circular. Man, you're changing my mind on Final <laughs> Wars. Just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, I wasn't. That was not in defense. No, of the film. I, know. <laughs> I just like how you turned it around on itself. I'm yeah. impressed, sir. Yeah. Uh, so, what about you, man? What did you like about Final Wars? Uh, well, this time around, watching it, because I've definitely, I do know that this movie has its fans, and there are plenty of people that just straight out love this film. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of really positive homework for this movie. Yeah. And, and I definitely didn't want to sit there and watch it and go, I'm just going to slog on it and make fun of it. Cause really there are some commendable things about it. And even if it didn't necessarily nail what they were trying to do, in my opinion, you know, when I approach films, it's completely different than what other people are experiencing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but the one thing this time around when I was watching it that I truly did appreciate, um, you know, it was the 50th anniversary of Godzilla. Uh, when this film was coming out, correct? Correct. 2004, yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I did really like the fact that they were, you know, as much as the tossing everything in the kitchen sink into a film usually does turn out to be too much, which I think this film was a bit too much. I do like that they were trying to reference a lot of things and make this kind of like an event. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. even if it doesn't always hit for me and the story doesn't always connect, I could at least see the points where they were trying to do that. Um, and like every time Akira Takarada would come on screen, it's like, it is awesome that he's in the film. Yeah, yeah. And I was getting excited just seeing him on there. Even if I'm like, what's your character and what's going on? It's yeah. Akira Takarada and it's 2004 and it's Godzilla and it's, it was fun. Um, and then there were other things that Dave already mentioned that I did truly enjoy, which is kind of like this approach to, um, giving a more modern look to a lot of these monsters, mm-hmm. uh, oh, kaiju. So beautiful. Yeah. I, I totally dig. Like there are things about this film where you go, how is it that like, I would, I, I'm not a tattoo guy, but if I was going to get a tattoo guy from this film would not be out of the realm of possibility. It's like, <laughs> I don't know that that would be my first choice, but it's like, it's a cool design. It's a movie where I could go. The story does not sit with me at all, but there is some, amazing kaiju designs going on here that i could see especially depending on what your age was when you watch this film like just going sensory overload on how cool some of this stuff is you would kind of uh, building what clancy was just saying 
um, I actually, one of the other things that I liked about it, I did like the way that they threw everything, uh, including the kitchen sink into this one. As a matter of fact, I would like this, I would like this movie even better if like Varan and Gorosaurus were in it too. <laughs> well, yeah. Varan was in it well, during yeah, for, the yeah, intro kinda, credits. Yeah, yeah, you know, thanks to Kyle Cooper. But, um, like, uh, uh, oh, what was that? What was I thinking of? Um, um, um oh, the, the opening scene. The opening mm-hmm. scene and like Godzilla's fighting Atragon. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> it's like they're, 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 they're pulling out the C list, uh, in the, in the beginning of Godzilla's 50th anniversary. And then the, the references to Gorath and, uh, stuff like that. It's like, I, I love that, you know, just sort of, you know, uh, br- bringing everything together, kind of making it all seem, you know, cohesive mm-hmm. and, and yeah, purposeful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually really enjoyed that a lot. That's cool. I mean, so I'm not immune to that kind of sure. uh, fan service, you know? Yeah. I, I love that in other films. And in the f- films leading up to this one, there definitely were fan service moments for oh, yeah. sure. Just this one, it's like they said, we're going to do that, but we're going to multiply it times 50. <laughs> and I just think it is overkill, honestly. Oh, you're not. Yeah, you're not wrong. I actually just because it's relevant um and I, i'm not going to go into spoilers on this because it just came out and i think people should just go watch the film but i just watched the new halloween film yep, me too and there there are <laughs> plenty of those moments but they are a little more subtle than what goes on in this sure, film yeah yeah and not yeah i lot, don't think ruhey kinamura knows how to be subtle <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well i mean i guess it depends on yeah what you're but but anyway it I love stuff like I that. I enjoy seeing I, yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like you're part of a club. Yeah. You know, it's like you're part of the club that, that gets it. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny. Like with the, yeah. You know, I was going to, we could go off about the Halloween film, but I don't want to like, yeah, that's I don't want to spend 10 minutes of a Godzilla <laughs> podcast talking about the Halloween film, but Clancy's spot on. Mm. So one of the things Clancy mentioned, uh, Dave, you also kind of mentioned it too, is the designs, the, uh, design work that was put into the Gorgeous. kaiju yeah. into the movie. So I just thought I'd mention for the record, I'm sure we're going to cover this in the other section too, um, before the discussion, but they had, uh, Yoji Shinkawa, who I think has done stuff for Metal Gear Solid, Katsuya Tarada, who is a manga and comic book artist. Okay. He's the guy that designed Monster X and Kaiser Ghidra. Okay. Shinji Nishikawa, of course, worked on it and put the designs through for Angulus, Manda, Ebira, Minya, King Cesar, and Hedera. Those were great. Yasushi Nirasawa. Oh, man! Is the did guy Gigan. who did Gaiden. Absolutely sure he did. the uh the X-Aliens and the X-Alien ship. I totally buy that. Because you completely mentioned how alien-looking it actually yeah. was designed. And yeah. so I was like, I gotta tell Dave. And the and the sort of ridiculous buzzsaw hands. With, like, yeah. They, the weight of them being at the end of your arm would be so disproportionate. Yeah. That's one of Nirasawa's Not motif. just chainsaws. Yeah. Double chainsaws. Double chainsaws. Yeah, no, Quadruple yeah. chainsaws. For really. sure. Yeah. It's got Nirasawa all over it. Yeah. Although there is something beautiful about the original Gigan's fun-loving beer belly, but he was I a little slimmer in the yeah. new one. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think of all the redesigned, really, truly redesigned stuff, which is not, you know, there's a lot of stuff that echoes back to the Showa era uh, monster designs, mm-hmm. right? Like Nishikawa's stuff pretty much kind of looks like the stuff yeah. from the Showa era. Maybe a little bit updated. That's like Angulus and Ibra. Like, uh, Rodan. Ibra looks fantastic. Yeah. But, the, but still very similar to what they look like similar, in the Showa yeah. era. Gigan is just completely just 
deconstructed and reconstructed with uh, fetish wear and so forth. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I love it. I think it's really cool. Uh, and I, I do applaud Toho putting the effort in, getting Kyle Cooper, getting uh, all these designers to work on stuff. They had multiple teams actually building the costumes and so forth. Basically, they sort of spread around the work through the tokusatsu groups out there to actually well, make this that, movie happen. I think that that only makes sense when you think about it, because you wouldn't want the same, you wouldn't want the same designer's aesthetic, mm-hmm. you know, working on things like Godzilla and Anguirus, who are basically dinosaurs. True. And yeah, yeah. then, uh, uh, and then Gigan, who is, you know, very much a, you know, a, a cyborg monster from outer space, from a completely different. Yeah, evolution. I actually never thought about that before. How they got Nishikawa to design a certain set of kaiju, yeah. and like how Nirasawa designed his set yeah, of stuff. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, you yeah, want like yeah. the crazy otherworldly stuff, Nirasawa's your guy. Totally. You know, and so that that makes that makes a lot of sense for me. And for Katsuya Terada to de- both design Monster X and Kaiser Ghidra makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, yeah. I get I'm I'm down, man. Yeah, no, it's it's good. So uh for me, I think the thing that I like the most is the the effort put in. You know, it is an impressive effort and it's definitely something that I applaud their effort. And the end result might not be so great but man they had to put in so much more i know they put in more money than any other godzilla film but it shows a lot of effort too like not just it's not like oh that money all went to this big time actor or that money all went to this one effects sequence it feel like it was pretty uh pretty spread around do you know how this did ticket wise very very badly really very very badly oh man i'm kind of surprised by that yeah, it's not something that uh, that anybody was kind of expecting at Toho. But, you know, Ruhei Kitamura, he was sort of a flash-in-the-pan, hottest director from Japan kind of thing at the time, was right. getting international recognition. I can see how Toho was just like, you clearly are making bank doing stuff, so we're just right. going to give you the keys. And, like, so, and did he do anything between verses and this? Oh, man, yeah. Because I mean, Ver- Versus is a pretty cool movie, but it's homemade looking. Yeah, Versus is very, you know, very indie, you know. Super indie, yeah. After Versus, he did a movie called Alive. Then he did uh, something called Sky High, which is a TV series. I've seen a lot of his movies, by the way. Kitamura's stuff was available when I was sort of like okay. researching him. Yeah, Aragami is a movie... That is, I feel like it's just a short, like doesn't even count as a movie. Okay. Um, Azumi is about a chick ninja. Oh, and okay. Then, so he did quite a few movies yeah. in between. All right. Well, he had yeah. a chance to polish. Yeah, yeah. And then, then Final Wars, really. Azumi, Sky High, the movie, and then Final Wars. Okay. And then it was, uh, four years later, he did Midnight Meat Train, <laughs> which was also a little bit of a train wreck, a meat train wreck. Yeah, I've never seen any of his other movies before. Yeah, after after yeah, Final I'm sure Wars, Clancy's seen Midnight Meat Train too. I have seen that actually. I actually, I actually haven't seen that one, even though I am a big Clive Barker fan. I just some, I don't even know why I never got around to it, but I haven't. It's, I feel uh, it's on Netflix or something. Oh, I'm yeah, sure. it's. Yeah. I've definitely seen it streaming. I just haven't worked it into my yeah film watching. I mean, it's 
It's surprising to see Bradley Cooper oh. in a movie like that. Hachi's dreaming. Oh, is that what that is? <laughs> yeah. That's adorable. I hope he's not dreaming about that movie. No. <laughs> he's probably like, Angulus, why did you get that? It's possible, though, because I, I was telling Kyle when we were watching it that it looked like he was he intently was totally watching, was totally the watching the film. Watching the so he yeah, might he's be having nightmares. He's, he's a big nightmares. King Caesar fan. He loves we almost called him King Caesar, actually. <laughs> yeah, we, it was like Baragon and King Caesar were the sort of like obvious names that we were going to go for. But yes. then then he already knew his name when we bought him. So oh, well, there you go. I was like, ah, we're not going to change that up. <laughs> <laughs> there were definitely, speaking of King Caesar, there was definitely a couple of scenes in that film where I was like digging on the design. But there were at least three or four shots where he looked very much like the Muppet Man from the Muppet movies. <laughs> And I just went like, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. So actually, uh, what I'll do is I'll start off and tell you the thing that I feel like is the worst aspect of this film. Okay. And it, there's a lot for me to choose from. So I am just going to say the movie's unevenness is its biggest flaw, in my opinion. There's a lot of flaws, but where you have amazing scenes and shots that like look so good and are so rich and the, you know, everything is just masterfully done. Boom. And then you turn around and have another scene, very similar to kind of what you're saying, Clancy, mm. where everything looks off. Like really, you couldn't redo that <laughs> shot. Like the opening of the movie With the- has some, has some tanks that explode and they very clearly are not, they very clearly are toys you know they are ah. pieces slide off they don't look like real and it's like the opening of the movie like you're setting the stage showing the audience this is what you're in for guys <laughs> mm. uneven special effects and they deliver that yeah that's rough i thought you were going to be referring to the uh the scene in new york with the cop and he's oh, man that's and, you know, uh, yeah. towing the pimp's car yeah <laughs> it's just like wow what the what yeah there's a lot of like what the moments in this movie yeah. for sure uh strange decisions made for sure <laughs> uh i really don't need to go deep into that i mean essentially this this film it, sometimes is surprising that they put it together the way they did. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys like the least about it. Dave. Well, I think you're, I think you're right. Um, you know, the, uh, it is, it is very uneven. I found Captain Gordon, Don Fry's character to be weird and off-putting. Mm-hmm. Through the through the whole thing, it just it just didn't fit to me. It, like I would have rather have seen a Japanese character or Japanese actor playing a Japanese character mm-hmm. than this. Uh, you know, uh, but he's dressed like a Russian. You know, I was kind of confused by yeah. that too. It was I just didn't, and I'm and I'm assuming that this is something. That I mean, Toho obviously did this on purpose, and they obviously must, with the amount of thought that they did put into this, this wasn't an accident. Mm. And I'm I'm confused as to why. So I interpret that as Kitamura, right? He said, "I want to include all these little little hints and little touches." You could look at that Don Fry character, the fact that he's an out of place 
Gaijin, you know, yeah. foreigner. Yeah, exactly. And say, oh, well, that's just like what they did with uh, Nick Adams. Yeah. You know, or the, or Russ Hamlin in War of the Gargantuas, you know, uh, like right, you, yeah. you could, no, you're not wrong. you could yeah. point to that, it's but, yeah, but okay. I don't disagree with you at all in, in terms of it being off putting. Yeah. And here's why. Like, I feel like Don Fry visually kind of works in the role, especially if you sort of like think of the battleship Yamato yeah. as a, uh, as an inspiration to parts of this movie. Right. But, the pacing of his acting and what I'm mm. guessing was some of his direction and the editing, it's off. Yeah. And did, it's, and because it's off, it feels off. Did he have two emotions in the movie? <laughs> I mean, there was, I the, think there was just one. It was weird. Like the, at the end when he smiles at the Japanese newscaster, it was weird. Because it's like, is that aggressive? Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, I wasn't, I wasn't sure, but it's like, he just had that one speed, mm. you know, through mm. the, through the, you know, even if you were going to throw like a, like Nick Adams, I love Nick Adams in these movies, you know, in the, in the old movies. I mean, like he yeah. had, he had. The, the guy had, a, you know, he, he wasn't a great actor by any stretch, but, but he, had, he was an actor, but he had some range and he yeah. could chew the scenery. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't just, you know, an, you know, an MMA fighter in a suit. Yeah. You know? So. Uh, I think they could have chosen better. Yeah. I think know? this is his Jesse Ventura moment. You guys mentioned him earlier in the evening. See, they should have hired <laughs> Jesse Ventura. That would have been so good. They definitely had that vibe going with some of it where it was like this destroy all monsters kind of thing where they were showing this whole international flavor. True. Or true. even somewhere. And again, I, I mean, I don't know how well this was tied into the story, but they had that moment in the film where they were showing you know, the United States getting attacked, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was the Rodan stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, Rodan was in New York. Yeah. Shanghai was where Angulus was attacking. Paris was getting hit by Camacaris. Yeah. So I don't yeah. really know if they tied Don Fry into that, but if they wanted to have that, we're in a world where we're all in this together mm. and we're getting attacked. That might no, have been a legit. part of it no, to have, yeah. a, you know, a white dude that. Sure. Almost this Arnold Schwarzenegger dude. Yeah, so right. just to just to you know lay on other aspects of that particular thing that you're talking about, Clancy. There was another uh, captain, another captain of one of the ships was some blonde chick. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Very wooden. She doesn't really move. No. I li literally, I think her one action is she nods at somebody. You can tell us she's like some magic person who knows i oh, have no you, idea oh, you, you no i'm just saying i'm just saying oh. that like <laughs> she's another gaijin another foreigner working for this organization right i mean basically i'm i'm trying not to like throw out jabs and stuff but man like <laughs> she literally looks like she's just sitting there on the bridge like she's a robot like not not actually acting at all and then uh sorry going back to the international flavor of it the guys who get attacked in Shanghai uh, when Angulus is breaking through the city, their yeah. ship is being piloted by a uh, or captained by a Chinese. It's yeah. not a Chinese actor. I think it's actually a Japanese actor, but he's speaking in like oh. Mandarin or Cantonese. Oh, OK. All right. Well, yeah. OK. See, then, I pay attention I, well, during this I, movie. Much better than me. <laughs> uh, you know, then, the, yeah, I think the, the international coalition thing is legit. Yeah. Don Fry still bugged me. It's another, yeah, it's another thing. Like, I think, uh, who, whoever mentioned the Destroy All Monsters vibe, I think it was intentional, you know? Oh, it's totally, yeah. it's just the only difference between this and Destroy All Monsters is the Exilians wanted to eat us. The Keylocks didn't. Yeah. You know, it's pretty much the same movie. 
out of the things that you didn't like, what would you do to change that? Or what could have been done to change it? I know that, uh, we're talking about cast Jesse Ventura. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've already covered this. <laughs> Damn it, you're right. I don't know why I even asked you that question. <laughs> I think you could actually say that about a lot of the characters in this movie. Oh too. yeah, yeah. You know? you know, I loved the the main bad guy. That guy's face, holy cow! That is a million dollar face. He is terrifying. And those eyebrows on point. <laughs> you know, I mean, like I, I, you know, and he, you know, it's like although. The, the, the five-year-old tantrum he would throw whenever one of the monsters got <laughs> destroyed by Godzilla. That was, um, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, that is Kazuki Kitamura. He, he is terrifying. Well, he has done a lot of stuff. He has been an actor in 139 items Holy listed cow. on IMDb. Wow. And to be perfectly honest, he was in a, a TV series called Nekozamurai, which means cat samurai. And he was absolutely charming in that in that series. <laughs> was totally he, fun. Was yeah. he the cat samurai? He was the samurai. Yeah, it's a samurai that sort of takes in a cat, <laughs> and like he plays the he plays the lead of that show. Well, all right. And I was sitting there watching this show, just completely had no idea that he was in it. And I, he made a look, and I noticed his eyebrows. I think, and I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. "Wait a second! Yeah, is that the controller of Planet X in the, <laughs> from Final Wars?" And sure enough, it was. So did you say a samurai who takes in a cat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can explain the whole thing later. No, it's all right. <laughs> like lone wolf and kitten. We've covered a this. little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah a little right. bit like that. Yeah. Weird. Uh, so the thing that I want to do is I want a fan edit of this movie. I don't know if I necessarily want to do it myself, but I feel like since it's my idea, I should probably take that on someday. Unless some listener out there who has a lot of time on his hands and fancy editing software wants to do that for me. <laughs> there's some things that I feel like you could absolutely pull out of this film to Minya. make it a little bit better. Minya. Minya. <laughs> I like Minya. I don't have a problem with Minya overall. but. No. In this film, the only thing that Minya serves is to tell Godzilla at the end of the movie not to kill the humans. Well, there was that little teeny bit in the middle where the grandfather was explaining to his grandson how Godzilla's still angry at humanity sure, for dropping sure. a bomb. I almost, that's more the characters of the grandfather and the son. Yeah. You don't need the media part in there. Fair enough. Yeah. Although at the same time, anybody could have that conversation. Now that we're in this day and age where we could have like this spinoff web series going on <laughs> in conjunction with the film, I would love to see Mina like cruising around in a truck with a couple of <laughs> characters. I just don't need to see it within the concept of the film. Boys. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> so go check out after you go watch the film at the theater, go check out the adventures of Mina while everything is going on. It's Mina in the truck oh my gosh That's oh man story. actually that would be sort of brilliant is for them to have produced a little television show <laughs> that shows what happens in between the points where you see Minya oh in the God. movie and when i say brilliant i'm just kidding best reality <laughs> series ever yeah i mean overall this is not uh this is not something that i feel like we need to spend a lot of time talking about i like, guess not <laughs> i mean we could if we wanted to but no. i'm just kind of curious like <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like to applaud or uh you know lambast this movie for let's put about 10 seconds of silence in here to make like uh, make it like we make it seem like we're really thinking hard or well, like actually, the the <laughs> <laughs> no the only thing i would say though is um again it's like 
for me, it, it's all a matter of when it comes to the films like this, it's a matter of, you know, when you came to the films, mm-hmm. you know, what you watched growing up. And I had already touched on a little bit when I was talking about the positive. I can totally understand why someone would dig this film. But for someone like for what I enjoy, like the films that I enjoy, especially if you're going to talk about Godzilla films, 100% Showa era is my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, and my biggest beef when it comes to this film, the biggest obstacle that keeps me from watching this over and over again is that pacing of the story mm-hmm. and what's going on there. And I know there are fans of these films and I don't know how many, but I know there's plenty of people that are going to agree with what I'm about to say and plenty of people that aren't going to agree. Mm-hmm. There are people that just the monster action is 100% enough to get them through and they love it. But for me, I need more to love a movie. I need a story. And usually when it comes to giant monster movies, that story is going to come from the human characters. Sure. Yeah. And maybe it's just the movies that I'm used to, but I have a hard time following what is going on in this movie at all. Like even this time through and you'd explain a few things and it's like, I don't know what's going on. I lose track of what's going on and it makes it not enjoyable to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I do. And there were things that I would get a little glimpse of and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Like I love alien stories and kaiju films. And I was very happy that they were touching on that in this film, Mm -hmm. but I just don't think it's done as well as something like monster zero. It's just, it just isn't to me. Um, I want to walk away and be able to explain what happened without, and even I, I even think if I used Wikipedia or whatever, a reference and read through this, I'd still be like, what the hell just happened? (laughs) Um, but I'd like to be able to at least sum it up after I watch it. And for me personally, I can't, I can't this film. Yeah. Um, and that's my biggest hurdle when it comes to it. Um, there are times when, yeah, I would like to sit down with some people and just watch some monsters kicking the sh you know out of each other (laughs) and this it does achieve that but you know for me it's just it's that's that is what makes this i've referenced it as my least favorite i'd have to reassess that i haven't i haven't watched it anywhere i've watched space godzilla more than this and i'm not a big fan of that movie (laughs) oh my god Um, me too but i didn't think about that it does rank really low for me and that's the biggest reason why it's the story yeah I wish that the story had a bigger impact, like could actually create an emotional impact when I watch this movie. But I I don't get that connection. I don't have that resonance. And with the exception of the, the, you know, the fights. Yeah. Really, there's not that much to take home from this movie. Dave. Which is interesting because really when you we, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, when you strip it down. It's really destroy all monsters. And I can't, I can't imagine us having this discussion about destroy all monsters. You know, I think it's like, that's one of my favorite sure, Godzilla yeah, yeah. movies of all time. I think what is going on is that you do have to strip it down to get to that story. There's so many bells and whistles and, and coats of paint on top of it, uh, with the mutants and the, um, you know, the Kaisers. You yeah. Know? It's like, it's like, it's like, wait, what is like now you're one in a million mutants. Now this whole movie is about you two guys. It's like, no, 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 no. That is. Yeah. The mutant thing is totally something I would 
trying get to rid creatively of. edit out of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's not particularly, I mean, besides being able to show some, you know, pretty badass fight scenes. Yeah. It's not bringing anything else to the party. Have well, you guys ever seen Attack on Titan or I, anything oh, yeah. from it? Have you watched some of it? Yeah, so I, the way that I, I haven't watched the new season because the first episode of the new season really confused me. Okay. So I've, I've got like eight episodes on my DVR right now. But the the I love that. But the series. premise of how these humans were able to fight these giant monster sized beings of having these sort of like crazy, uh, not jetpacks. They're like uh Steam cable cable yeah, like, firing things, and yeah. and they basically. They almost treat them like Spider-Man, like these guys, these heroes in the show are able to like, yeah, yeah, like fly around because they've got these cables that they're firing out of these devices that they can anchor into buildings and, you know, swing around, like I said, like Spider-Man. That would be one way to pull the entire mutant phenomenon out of this movie. Uh, but it's, you know, clearly way sooner than Attack on Titan came out. Yeah, right. And just to just to build off what you were saying about Destroy All Monsters, I think the reason why I love Destroy All Monsters, a lot of the reasons why are probably the same reason why some people love this film. I would never argue that Destroy All Monsters has the strongest story of all the Godzilla films. No, no. argument from um, me at all. Yeah. But but I love it. And again, yeah. if I actually like I said, if I started ticking off boxes, it'd be like it would probably match up box to box with a fan of final wars. Oh yeah. Yeah. But again, it's a matter of the pacing. Mm. Everything is so fast in this movie. And maybe it's my, (laughs) as hard as it to say, as hard as it is to say my old man brain. Um, (laughs) maybe it's just like, I just, that I don't connect with movies like that and that kind of pacing. But I think that is the biggest thing where it's like, even though destroy all monsters is still just an all out, action fest with an alien storyline that's put in there uh this one jumps around so much that i'm just like i can't keep track of what's going on at all okay but i'll just leave it at that well it sounds like we're final thoughting this out so i guess the last question i'd ask each of you is would you show this to a kaiju newbie oh no 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 you 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 need so much to be able to appreciate it at all, like the, the, the phrase you were using, fan service, mm-hmm. it's like you need that, uh, you need that background yeah. to really be able to appreciate everything that's going on here. I mean, like the, uh, one of the things I was going to mention about, uh, earlier when you, when you said like, what would you do to improve it? You know, at least 90 more seconds of hetera, yeah. you know, would, <laughs> would be, you know, would, would it be, would be great, you know? Um, and, but, you know, knowing who these, Knowing who these, knowing who these monsters are, knowing their backgrounds with Godzilla, mm-hmm. you know, um, knowing how, uh, you know, the, the, um, how, how, yeah, I mean, like the, 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 the fight when Godzilla is fighting King Caesar and Anguirus and Rodan. It's like, those are three of his biggest allies in a lot of the other movies, three of his, 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 uh, staunchest allies. Mm-hmm. And, and and they're they're turning all three of them at once are turning against him in this scene. It's like that is significant, you know, and that's not a significant a newbie would get. So I would start with you know, I would not start with this. Okay, okay, yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't either, but mostly just from personal reasons because mm-hmm. 
if I'm going to be sharing these with somebody, I want to share the ones that I love to begin with. Um, I guess I could see a situation if somebody was showing like, Oh, I really dig this Japanese film or this action, or I love the matrix. What if they put a monster in a <laughs> oh, matrix movie? Somebody's like, dude, I love versus yeah, exactly. Man has that. I wish that versus yeah. guy would have done a Kaiju film. You'd be like, well, I've got some <laughs> mediocre news for you. <laughs> I could see a reason to do it, but it's, it's not, it, it wouldn't happen in yeah. my, in my world. So I typically would say no, I wouldn't show this to a kaiju newbie. However, I did have a birthday party at the Hollywood Theater one time, <laughs> and uh, we watched Godzilla Final Wars, and I didn't have a ton of kaiju friends back when this came out on DVD. So for me, I did show a bunch of kaiju newbies right. <laughs> in this movie, and a lot of them loved it, you oh, know, okay. and, you know, that's sort of the the shoes I chose to put on as I I am in the camp where I don't like this movie, but I understand it has some really solid entertainment value. And for someone who doesn't have the connection to right. the Godzilla series, doesn't want the connection to the Godzilla series. Fair enough. Final Wars does actually serve as a pretty good Holy moly, look at all the crazy stuff that they can do in Japan movie, you know? And I can appreciate it for that, not just alone, but I can appreciate it for that. And yet it tanked at the box office. It tanked at the box office, that yes. That seems odd. Godzilla Final Wars only did a little bit better than some of the worst-selling Godzilla movies. Ouch. So remember when we were in that panel? Yeah. And the uh, the box office sales for Godzilla vs. Megalon and Terror of Mechagodzilla were under a million tickets. And oh uh, Final Wars sold a million tickets. Whoa. So, yeah. Not so well. Not so well. Whoa. Anyway. Uh, so I, they, lost, they lost a little money on this one. I think they did. I think Ooh. this was a pretty, pretty significant amount of money. That is a that is a bitter pill for your fiftieth anniversary. It is, and you know, I gotta say, like, I cannot deny Toho's reasoning for closing out the Godzilla series after Final Wars. You know, saying, "Yeah, I think we've had our we've had our run, guys." Tomiyama yeah. specifically said, like, Godzilla should only come back when someone can breathe good life into the into the series and so well, we'll we'll see how that goes well honestly too though what's so cool about it is like we're sitting here talking about this quite a while after that anniversary i mean they just released the 65th godzilla birthday artwork toho yes they've been circulating so we're now oh, i don't think i've seen that yeah it but i, I made a better one yeah i and i <laughs> i dug yeah check that out i dug it um I did think it was better. Um, but it's like, probably if we were sitting here recording this episode right after this film came out, we probably would have a more somber attitude about it. Whereas now you're sitting there going, and I'm not saying that everybody's got to love what's happening with Godzilla at the moment right now, but you can't deny that it's a lot stronger than it was at the 50th anniversary. Oh, sure. And it's yeah. like, yeah. 14 years later, I think the bite, has lessened a little bit the, yeah. the negative bite, you know, the sort of exactly. like, ow, that the box hurts. office yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that, uh, especially when it comes with Shin Godzilla. And there are different reasons why that movie probably succeeded, but still Godzilla to me feels like it's extremely strong right now. And very, very strong. There are people that are 
interested in the character and the franchise and you know it's great right on man well unless anybody else has something to add let's hear what the listeners had to say Joey says, okay, he loves this film. By no means does he think it was a satisfying send-off for Godzilla, but it's definitely a lot of fun. It feels like a sequel to Terror of Mechagodzilla and pretty much the entire Showa-era line of Toho Kaiju films. It's always fresh and fun. It's all fighting and crazy situations in which he's attracted to more with these types of films. He knows saying this film is one of his favorites, coming from a guy who had the OG Godzilla as his favorite of all time, but Monster Zero is a close second, and Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 74 comes in third, so you can see where this one fits in. Frank actually loves Godzilla Final Wars. The Godzilla suit is his absolute favorite next to GMK's. His favorite part is still when Godzilla takes down our first attempt at Zilla. Also, as far as the human cast goes, you can't find hotter actresses. Adam sums up Godzilla Final Wars in one word. Disappointing. It's hard to place blame. Aren't we all to blame, Adam? Sorry. Uh, so it's hard to place blame for what went wrong on Godzilla's 50th anniversary film. To be blunt, many things go awry during the movie. Although chief fault should probably rest on the shoulders of the film's director, Ryuhei Kitamura, whose extremely fast pace for Godzilla Final Wars ultimately foregoes any opportunity to properly develop the film. This ultimately leaves the viewer with a very shallow feeling by the time the final credits roll. Not to undersell the film entirely, though, as certain aspects are done nicely. The story isn't bad, the special effects are generally good for a Japanese production, while the acting tends to be at least competent. Despite these somewhat positive aspects, though, there are many flaws to the film, such as director Kitamura's unnerving pacing and the complete lack of character development. More complaints with the production are to be had, though. Another problem that will likely leave many diehard fans unsatisfied is how the film burns through its cast of monsters so quickly and for the most part without a memorable moment for quite a few of them. The first time Mike Keller saw Godzilla Final Wars was when it opened in Japan. Ironically, Mike made the trip partially to catch the premiere, yet this was not the premiere. Final Wars remains the only Japanese film in the franchise to premiere in Hollywood first. He was reading first watch reviews of it coming in from the States while he was in Japan waiting for it to open there. The phrase, moving the goalposts, comes to mind. Mike saw it twice in Japanese theaters, once where all the non-Japanese language dubbed, and once where it was left intact and subtitled. He remembers a seconds-long cartoon showing just before both viewings featuring Crayon Shinchan. Shin is in a Godzilla suit destroying a city when the military attacks his posterior and exposes his bare ass. He's never seen the cartoon show up anywhere else. He later saw the movie again during the Southwest premiere at the Asian Film Festival of Dallas with a sold-out crowd. That was probably the most fun he had watching it. The movie, of course, is a sometimes glorious and often not-so-glorious mess. He gets what Kitamura was trying to do. The problem is he really doesn't do it that well. You want to make a balls-to-the-wall, crazy, silly kaiju action flick? Fine. But a monster movie, regardless of tone, should be first and foremost about the monsters. And what we get here are endless human and mutant versus alien kung fu fights interspersed with monster fights that are over in seconds. The fight between Godzilla, Rodan, King Caesar, and Angulus is probably the best of the lot, but even that is weak. As powerful as Godzilla is purported to be, he defeats a majority of his enemies by catching them when they lunge at him, or throwing them into something, sometimes off-camera. A judo move. Take the fight with Spiga. Mike prefers calling it Spiga to Kamanga. When Godzilla grabs the spider's web, which, for the record, looks hokey as hell, 
We'll ignore the fact that Spiga doesn't simply release the web, but okay, he spins the arachnid around and lets go, and the spider goes flying off into the distance. It would have meant so much to see it smash into a cliff wall, but Mike is reminded of the Hanna-Barbera cartoon where Godzilla would defeat monsters by pushing them into caves and then plugging the entrance of the boulder. Unsatisfying. In fact, the audience misses out on a lot of things, not only the monster deaths, but stuff like seeing Godzilla burst out of the ice when he's freed. Other times, monster action is simply inept, like Gigan Mark II accidentally offing himself through his own clumsiness. Add that to the fact that Mothra just literally seems tossed into the movie because Kitamura realized that he had to use her. Some of the attempts at humor fall incredibly flat, like the attitudes of the two South Pole Godzilla base keepers when they know they're about to die, not counting their stoic acceptance of Armageddon, the chocolate-faced, Ritalin-deprived, diabetic mama's boy that was too destructive with his toys, sorry, I'm a vegetarian, etc. The humor in Kitamura's film Versus worked much better, but how about he just stays away from the jokes for a while, eh? A comic genius, he is not. The monsters range from pretty good, like Gigan and Rodan, to okay, like Godzilla and Angulus, to downright terrible, like I'm guessing the rest. Mike thinks that Kaiser Ghidra is the single worst manifestation of the three-headed monster. It looks like a cross between Cerberus the three-headed dog and a pantomime horse with a pair of ridiculous flightless wings taped on its back. Mike actually does not mind Toho continually resurrecting Ghidra because he lives in eternal hope of Ghidra being done right again. He hasn't been done right since the Showa era, and in this case he's been done incredibly wrong and Mike does not like what he's seen of the anime Ghidra either. There might be more that Mike could say, but he just doesn't think there's room for any more. Final Wars was a so-so film when it opened and has just continued to not age very well. Joshua writes in to say that Final Wars is a pretty good film, with some flaws here and there, but a great way to end the millennium era of Godzilla movies. Michael Deke writes in to say Godzilla Final Wars is one of the most underrated films in the franchise. Full stop, dude. Underrated is absolutely not a word you are allowed to use with Final Wars. Given that this film aims to be a balls-to-the-wall action film, it definitely succeeds in this aspect. This was the first Godzilla film that Michael saw in full, and to this day, it remains his favorite installment of the Millennium series. The fight scenes between the human characters are just as action-packed as the kaiju paddles, with some being better than others. Michael's favorites being the motorcycle fight and Ozaki's fight with X at the film's climax. The monster designs are pure awesomeness. Godzilla looks as menacing as ever, with his hooded eyebrows keeping his eyes in shadow for most of the time. Gigan, Angulus, Rodan, and Kaiser Ghidra are also some of his favorites in terms of design. Don Fry also delivers an awesome performance as Captain Gordon, and his die-hiding or die-fighting speech are among the most epic words ever spoken by a gaijin actor in a kaiju flick. While the plot is nothing special, it does have a theme of never giving up in the face of annihilation, and the ex-aliens can even be seen as a metaphor for the Germans during World War I and World War II. They give up their original fight in order to achieve peace with the humans to form the space nations, just as Germany surrendered at the end of World War I and the UN formed afterwards. X can be seen as Hitler as he rebels against the leader by killing him and taking over to start a new war. The humans then use Godzilla as the weapon of last resort to stop this invasion, just as nuclear weapons were used to end World War II. These are just a few things that Michael thought of during his latest viewing, and it serves as a counter-argument against the idea that Final Wars has no message. I would accept those if Kitamura brought them up as absolutely being intentional. 
I really do think you're reading way too much into this, though. Another criticism Michael hears a lot is that Godzilla is too overpowered in this film, yet he was overpowered in GMK, and nobody criticizes that film as much. Michael does admit this film is filled with flaws and not the greatest kaiju film ever, but it was certainly a great way to end the series for a while and celebrate Godzilla's 50th anniversary as a love letter to the franchise. 3.5 Urata no Hoshis out of 5. I don't know why you brought Ultraman into this, but we're going to go ahead and move on to Roman, who says he's new to the Kaiju cast. And by new, he means he found the podcast a couple of months ago and has listened to every single episode. He forgot to submit his homework for the last two films, and when he heard we were discussing Final Wars, he had to submit his thoughts about it. Being at least 10 years old watching this movie, of course, Roman loved it. It's mindless monster action and a really childish alien plot. This was the movie he would show to his friends so that they knew what Godzilla was all about, because it really is a perfect children's kaiju movie. But now, watching it in his 20s, Godzilla Final Wars had him asking more questions than enjoying the movie. Like, why aren't there seatbelts on the Gotengo? Especially in the opening scene. Why are there random guitar riffs and drum solos instead of the Godzilla music we're used to? Who let the UN secretary decide that the universe should be united? Why didn't the ex-aliens investigate the secretary more? You would think that his dog's existence would be more relevant, right? And why does Godzilla defeat the awesome redesign of Gigan so soon and quickly? How did Kazama know where the mothership's barrier shield was? How does killing all the humans benefit for the purpose of using them as cattle? And why would Godzilla forgive the main characters in the end just because Minya said so? That's not the Godzilla Roman knows. The visuals were great in this film and the suits were some of the best that we've seen, but this seemed more like a cheap alien invasion movie, with monsters being used as the backdrop to make the stupid alien invasion movie look better. Good for children who aren't familiar with the franchise and can grow to appreciate the other films later in life, but definitely isn't the big finale longtime fans wanted to see. At least we got to see Zilla get what he deserves. Five Don Fries out of ten. Nathan, co-creator and season one co-host of the Kaiju Vision radio podcast, doesn't understand why many Godzilla fans hate this film. When he first saw it in college as a senior in 2005, he thought it was a love letter to fans. In fact, he contacted a fellow Godzilla fan and said he needed to watch it with him because it was one of the most nerdtastic things he'd ever seen. His friend agreed with him after seeing it. Nathan is now going to say something that might get him stoned by G-fans. While this movie is essentially a remake of Destroy All Monsters, Nathan thinks it's better in some ways than that classic. The characters are more memorable. Can you name any of the characters from Destroy All Monsters? The Final Wars clearly had stated ideas and themes unlike Destroy All Monsters. Does it surpass that film? Only time will tell. Time so far says no it does not. The film is unique in the Godzilla franchise in that it's a stylized, hyperkinetic action film thanks to the director. In fact, it's a rare instance where the human action stands out from the monster fights. Every time Nathan watches it, he has to remind himself he's watching a Godzilla film when that motorcycle fight starts. Yes, it's copying The Matrix, but so was everyone else at the time. Turnabout is fair play since The Matrix was borrowing from anime. Nathan really likes the characters in this entry. His favorite is Captain Gordon. Don Fry has a quiet charisma about him that makes every scene in the film with him instant gold. One of Nathan's favorite lines was spoken by him. The world is ruined. The war is already lost. Now it's a matter of pride. Nathan's other favorite character is the over-the-top young controller of Planet X, played by Kazuki Kitamura. This guy thinks he's in an anime and chews the scenery more than Rodan does Meganulon. His grandiose plans, wild gestures, and Dragon Ball Z hair all add up to one of the most memorable villains in any Godzilla film. To keep with the theme of favorite lines, the controller says something that was very cathartic for every G-fan. 
when he throws the tantrum after Zilla is dispatched by Godzilla in 17 seconds, he says, I knew that tuna eating monster was useless, which is better than the dubbed line of, I knew that tuna head wasn't up to much. There's much more that Nathan could say about this film from the many pop culture and Toho references to the themes of cultural invasion and the insane monster fights to the return of Gigan to Mothra's epic suicide run. If you'd like to hear them, he highly recommends listening to the Kaiju Vision radio episode on the film. Regardless, Nathan gives this film four dead zillas out of five. And there you have it, our Daikaiju discussion for Godzilla Final Wars. I feel so bad for all you people that think it's actually a good movie. Our next movie up for rediscussion is 1973's Godzilla vs. Megalon. If you'd like to have your thoughts, questions, and reviews submitted for this film, please use the handy contact form on kaijucast.com, and please have your homework turned in by November 23rd. Also, do yourself a favor and read what you write before pressing that send button. I had to cut out some of this month's homework due to some really, really confusing writing from some of you. We are going to close this episode out with one final track. But before I tell you what that is, I want to thank everyone who sent in their homework. I want to thank Dave and Clancy for coming over to watch Godzilla Final Wars. And of course, thank you for listening. If you found the Kaiju Cast through iTunes or some other podcatcher, please point your web browser to kaijucast.com where you can see everything that we're about. Every episode is up there. In addition to each entry of the Kaiju Cast having its own blog posting filled with show notes about that episode. Now, we are going to be coming back next month, hopefully with a yokai episode, an out-of-season yokai episode, which I'll explain a little bit more when we do that. But in the meantime, gentle listeners, please enjoy Zebrahead's Godzilla vs. Tokyo as the final piece of audio goodness in this episode. We will see you next month. Jamata.